Hi, I'm Jason Seaver. I'm a psychiatrist, and I believe in the infinite potential of the human spirit. And I'm Maggie Seaver. I'm a mother, and the infinite potential of the human spirit scares the hell out of me. <laughs> Don't let her fool you. She's not so tough. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, anyway, last week, after 15 years of motherhood, Maggie went back to work as a reporter for the local newspaper. And Jason moved his practice into the house so he can be there for the kids. They're great kids. Yeah. And we have a great relationship with them. Yeah, there's just one problem. Their father trusts them, and they know it. Unbelievable. <laughs> Show me that smile again. Don't waste Hey there everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of Show Me That Smile Again and Growing Pains Podcast. How's everyone's How's everyone's October? Mine was good. Was decent. Found a doctor in my new state, which is awesome. Taking my baby step drive to get to places that are nearby. I'm still really, really nervous about the roads. <laughs> Basically, what I'm watching right now for fun on Disney Plus is the new DuckTales. I've been flying. They only have two seasons up. And I'm really wishing eventually they'll get season three up there but they're still working on it like it's still airing so but all right so this episode is going to be focusing you know how in october i did the taking care of business episode kind of in honor uh, it was a mike episode his birth kurt cameron's birthday is in october but another star also celebrates an october birthday and since i only do a growing pains episode a month Jeremy Miller's birthday was October 22nd. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cover his episode in November. And the episode I chose is from season two. It's episode four entitled Call Me, which aired on November 11th. Oh, aired on Veterans Day in 1986. All right. This episode, I kind of chose this episode because... I kind of like it. It does have a good lesson to it. This episode, Maggie and Jason recall how Ben got himself into hot water by calling a pornographic hotline and then lying by putting the blame on a neighbor kid for giving out the number. Now, I'm going to be the first to say I did not call a number like that as a child. I did, however, rack up a phone bill because I was calling the soap opera hotline when I was 11. Yeah. So, kind of relatable to Ben. Only just not pornographic. Okay, this episode's got a 7.2 out of 10 based on 37 ratings on IMDb. We have Michael McManus playing Buddy Kuzman, the Seaver's next-door neighbor. We have Michael Kenworthy playing Chris Kuzman, who is Ben's best friend. Ben kind of sells him out. I gotta say, I remember watching this episode when it aired on the Disney Channel back in the late 90s. That's how I got 
reacquainted because I'd seen a handful of episodes in reruns on TV growing up. But it wasn't until the late 90s that Disney Channel put Growing Pains on there. And I got 100% affiliated with Growing Pains. To the point where I could have, you know, back then memorized each episode. This episode was directed by John Tracy. Writers Neil Marlins, the creator, and written by Tim O'Donnell. No trivia for this episode. And there's no user. There normally are not user reviews for the episodes of Growing Pains. Every great once in a while you might get a, a, a little nugget here or there. But before I officially get into the episode, I want to do a little business up top here. So 2021 is kind of up in the air with Growing Pains, the podcast. I will still be doing episodes, just not monthly. I know also I kind of played around with the idea of doing a Roseanne podcast, you know, and I will still do like an episode of Roseanne once in a while, but it's not going to be full-fledged. It's not taking over Growing Pains and Growing Pains is not going away completely. However, and I apologize because it seems like I'm constantly coming up with ideas and then dropping them and coming up with ideas and then dropping them and then changing my mind. It's, if you guys have been listening to me for a while since I started the Punky Power podcast or the Looking Back at My Wonder Years podcast, I pretty much just, those were my two main ones and then I eventually, you know, branch up like Punky Brewster's done. Let's jump into Silver Spoons, which I will be finishing that at the end of December and I will be starting Different Strokes. Another idea had kind of hit. I had been playing with this idea for a while. I've done a couple episodes. The show I'm talking about, of course, is Boy Meets World. And I've toyed around with the idea. I don't want to do every single episode. I kind of like the idea of doing a series of episodes based on either a topic or a character. Like, I'd love to do the evolution of the relationship of Corey and Topanga from their... (laughs) From their first kiss at the locker... From him asking her out, them, you know, breaking up, them getting back together, and then eventually, you know, leading to their almost wedding, to their actual wedding. Just those key, key main episodes. I just, I really, I love the show Boy Meets World. Yeah, I think it's just as good as as the Wonder Years and stuff. I mean, there are, if you guys are looking for Boy Meets World podcasts, let me tell you, Apple Podcasts has got a bazillion. They're always, there's always a new one. Whenever I look, it seems like there's always another Boy Meets World podcast. The only difference between the one I would be doing and the ones that are out there is my podcast would be a family-friendly podcast podcast and my example family friendly punky brewster silver spoons full house and of course my new one that i'm continuing the different strokes to move the world the different strokes podcast which will be taking over for silver spoons in january i started the different strokes podcast in april of 2020 i got through the first I think five episodes and then just with everything going on with me getting 
you know, moved that and the house all set and ready to go and us moving and stuff just kind of got shifted up. But my goal is to get back to that. Um, my other podcast, Small Wonder, if you've been listening, you know I'm finishing season one after two years because I'd been doing an episode a month. I'm going to change that up in January. I I, I said in the, that last episode I did, I don't want to spend two years doing season two. What I'm going to do is I'm still doing once a month, but it's going to be two episodes in one podcast episode. So I can get through season two in a year. As far as season three and four of Small Wonder go, I found episodes online. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you guys. They're not the best quality. So I'm just going to play it by ear and just kind of go like that. So, and I'm also not going to lie to you guys. I've been doing this as of January of uh, 2021. It'll be four years. Will I still be podcasting five years from now? I don't know. Some other venture could come along. I don't know. And I just, I want to be honest with you guys. So, point being, I will still be doing a Growing Pains episode here and there. I will cover... Some episode, I have a set list of the episodes of Roseanne that I will cover. And I'm going to tell you, if you guys want a Roseanne podcast, one that I've listened to a couple episodes that's actually ongoing. There are several Roseanne podcasts that have started and they've crashed and burned and just stopped. The Creamed Corn Roseanne podcast is hosted by a guy and a girl. I don't know their names, but you can find the podcast on Spotify. I believe you can also find it on iTunes. I think they're in their, possibly maybe their third season. And it's, it's interesting. I like that there is what, you know, if you guys are, I don't know, you know, podcasting, it's, it's, it's a commitment, especially the TV show podcasts, especially the people that are taking the time to go episode by episode, week by week, juggling podcasting, watching a show with their other responsibilities, whether they have children or a job, stuff like that. So, and of course, another podcast I started back in January of 2020 that I still plan to be working on in 2021. That's the I Left My Heart in Everwood podcast. I do apologize again for kind of dropping off on that. But I do plan to pick that up in January and still keep it a uh, monthly podcast. So that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. I'm still Full House, Fuller House podcast is going to be weekly still in 2021. Different Strokes podcast, I'm going to be doing twice a month, but you're getting two episodes per podcast. So you're getting basically four episodes a month. Uh, the Boy Meets World podcast, I still want to see how that's going to fare and how I want to you know, work that, set up a set list and everything. You know, small one, I got, cal- I got calendars, I'm going to eventually start writing stuff down so I can keep a schedule. And yeah, I mean, I want to do 
Growing Pains episodes here and there. I want to do a Roseanne episode here or there. I definitely would like to do some Mr. Belvedere episodes again. So it's just... And also, you know, the movie reviews that I do as well. This month, I want to finish Look Who's Talking. I started that... Gosh, when did I start that? April or May? And just with everything else, you know, got kind of lost. And I still have it. I still... I'm like probably a quarter of the way through it and I want to finish that and release it this month in November so that way I can do look who's talking now for December January I want to kind of do like I did in the beginning guys I'm gonna get to the episode I promise (laughs) I'm gonna get to the episode I promise like I did January February March covering the trilogy of the mighty ducks and then after that I did the honey I shrunk the kids trilogy I want to do a theme trilogy, and I'm definitely thinking for January, February, and March. And it's going to be probably for the ladies out there, the guys, you know. I know it's probably not going to be your bag, but I want to cover what I, I in my heart, feel are the three top tearjerker movies of all time. Terms of Endearment, Beaches, and Steel Magnolias. And also next year, I plan to do a musical bio marathon, uh, marathon with La Bamba, Coal Miner's Daughter, Selena, and The Jacksons, An American Dream, the TV movie. I'd also like to do like a psycho killer boyfriend slash girlfriend type of th- psycho, whatever, with Fear and Swim Fan. I also want to do a comparison with the... Wanting to be older slash wanting to be younger with the movie Big with Tom Hanks and Seventeen again with Zac Efron. Yo, I could even do, which I thought it was a cute movie, but I could make that a trilogy and also do Thirteen going on Thirty so we have a female perspective. So yeah, it just it's a matter of just scheduling and just kind of rearranging things how I want to do them. So, guys, just bear with me as I kind of figure that out. I know you guys are like, gosh, you're so topsy-turvy. You're always up, down, here, there. And that's just, that's how my mind works, unfortunately. I come up with an idea five months down the road. I want to do this. Like, you haven't finished that yet, but I want to do this. And then by the time you get to that point, you're like, oh, but this one. And it's just like... I just, there's so many children, you know, I grew up with that I just, I, I want to put out there for you because it's just, I mean, if you're me and you grew up in the 80s and 90s, I was born in 82. I only really were up till left maybe like 88, 89. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just, I just, I want to do this. I just, I, I love it and I have fun with it. And it's not to the point where it's becoming a chore for me. It's not. Alright guys, honestly, I've rambled long enough. <laughs> I'm sure you're like, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. So, let's jump into Season two's Jeremy Miller's birthday episode, Call Me. And you guys know, I mean, I try not to be like, Jeremy, you know, he's my, f- you know, Ben Seaver's my favorite character. And I try not to monopolize too much with, you know, like, I want to pick up an- another Ben, another Ben episode. It's like, nah, 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 nah. So also, December, the episode I've chosen is one that involves the entire family weekend at Mike's. 
I thought that's a great way to close out 2020. Everyone's stuck in one space. Remember when Mike lived above the garage? Yeah. So we're going to focus on, on that one in December. And then we'll kind of decide from there how we're going to go. You know, once I got all the deets ironed out, we'll be, boom, we'll be ready to go. So speaking of ready to go, let's dive into Call Me. Alright, so of course before we get officially to the episode, we get the cold open, which kind of sets up the episode. And I totally forgot. Guys, this entire episode is told through a letter. Basically through an entire flashback of something that happened. It's morning time. The kids most likely aren't up. Jason and Maggie come in. And see a le- a letter that is propped up by an apple. And it's Ben's punishment. Basically his apology letter to his parents. Oh, he even gave a flower. And he put it in a little cup. Oh, that's so sweet. And of course Jason's not awake. He's like, Ben who? And she kind of lightly smacks him on the cheek like, wake up. So Ben writes, Dear Mom and Dad, here's my punishment letter. I hope you like it. Love, Ben. As Maggie's pouring herself a cup of coffee and Jason sits down to read the letter. As Jason continues to read the letter, Ben writes, I'm not sure if I spelled pornography right or not. And Maggie asks, did he? And Jason says, yep. So Jason turns the page and continues to read the letter. Basically, it... It's a punishment of teaching Ben to realize why he did, basically how he he got to where he is and why he was punished. And, you know, basically learning a lesson. And, of course, Maggie comes over with the milk and she starts reading over Jason's shoulder. And then, of course, because we get this inner, this internal monologue as Jason's reading. And then, of course, we get Maggie's internal monologue. As she's reading over his shoulder and they kind of look at each other like, uh, you continue. Oh, wow. So this whole thing just started yesterday because he says the real trouble for me started yesterday when you were paying the bills. Oh. Oh, honey, look. Ben's punishment letter and flowers, too. Ben who? <laughs> Wake up. Oh, hello, Maggie. Hello. Good morning. Uh, <laughs> Dear Mom and Dad, here's my punishment you wanted. I hope you like it. Love, Ben. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if I spelled pornography right or not. Did he? He did. I was afraid of that. Dad, you wanted me to write all this stuff down to tell how we got to where we are and what I think about what I did and why it's disgusting. For me, Dad, the real you wanted me to write all this stuff down. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> For me, the real trouble started yesterday when you were paying the bills. Mom's right. Nothing good can happen when you sit down to pay the bills. <laughs> And then we go into the flashback where we're in the Seaver living room. I love how Ben pipes in there in the letter saying, Mom's right, nothing good can happen when you sit down to pay the bills. Well, because you're giving a portion of 
the money you earned and paying out, you know, paying for <laughs> for you to keep a roof over your head and food on the table, basically. It's like, well, the money coming in is eventually going to go out. If you save some, good. So, Ben, in the letter, we, we get a bit of the narration from Ben here. He's like, I was trying not to be around when you say all those words you say that you don't want me to hear you say on Bill Paying Day. And we just see Jason, like, he looks like he's saying, Guys, I will say fuck. I will. But I won't say the word that people tend to put in front of it. I just, I, I, th I don't know why. I just, I feel that's dirtier than saying the word fuck. I don't know. That's just me. It just uh, makes me uncomfortable. So Carol comes in from school. Apparently Ben gets home before she does. <laughs> She's like, hey Ben. He's like, shh, shh. He points to the, his dad's office. It's bill paying day. And it's like, oh shit, that's right. <laughs> So Carol tries to go up the stairs and turns out Jason's got a bone to pick with her too from a salon called Blood, Sweat, and Shears. It's an expensive bill for what? Like maybe not just a haircut but a style? Okay, $55 for a hair styling. And this is 1986. That seems like in 2020, that would be quite a bit more. And just the name of the place, Blood, Sweat, and Shears, sounds pretty fancy. And they're in New York, too. Like, really? $55 for a haircut at Blood, Sweat, and Shears? Come on! And Carol looks at Ben like, how did he know he was home? Oh, oh, I don't know. You said, hi, Ben, when you came in the door and Jason's door to his office is open and his office was like literally right by the front door. So Carol's argument to Jason contesting this $55 hair styling bill is, oh, well, mom knew about it and she said to go ahead and get it done. Because, well, <laughs> I'm blossoming. And Jason just looks at her with a glare and says, well, stop. Jason, if you're that bothered by it, and I mean, he does, I don't know whether these kids get an allowance or not, they might, <laughs> then say, well, until further notice till, um, what I would normally pay you for an allowance gets, you know, pays off this $55 bill, then you're, you're basically, you're not getting an allowance until just, like, you want to, that's fine, but you're going to have to pay for it yourself. I mean, yes, it's a necessity a necessity to get a haircut. And sure, it's nice to treat yourself once in a while. But, and the thing is, the Seaver kids, honestly, they're, and, where am I going with this? Um, they live in New York. Both their parents have very well-paying jobs. These kids aren't hurting for anything. And yes, it's great to treat yourself once in a while. But when you take it kind of advantage of it, oh, my parents have money, it'll be fine. It's a haircut. No, it's a hairstyling. So, I, I, I don't know. It's just... Sometimes I, when I, I watch these episodes and I just think, this isn't the typical... I mean... 
I guess an example. I guess I'm not saying. Honestly, what the hell am I trying to say here? Okay, here's a here's a pretty semi decent. Okay, we have the Seavers, right? They're let's put them at the top, money wise, career wise, you know, income wise, living wise. They're not living beyond their means. Then you have the Connor family, the blue collar family who you got Roseanne working at a factory or she's, you know, working at a restaurant or a salon, anything to at least basically keep a roof over her head. Same with Dan. Dan's a construction worker, so he's going to basically always looking for the next job that's going to come away. It's not always going to be promised. So those kids know what it means to struggle and really have to fight just to be able to have the bare necessities of of life. I'm not saying that the Seavers are... I, I don't know. I don't know if you want to call the Seavers... You know, I, I like growing pains and I... Oh, there's my uh, timer going off. I'll be right back. You know, they're two vastly different television shows, but funny enough, they were actually, they were on the same network. So you have Jason as a psychiatrist, you got Maggie as a journalist. They're bringing in some pretty good money. They're not constantly spoiling their kids all the time, and Jason, being a psychiatrist, always wants to instill some... I don't even know, and, and even, you know... Thinking about it, Jason, would you call him a bit of a tightwad? Maybe, sort of, kinda. Like he he wants to he wants to teach his kids the value of the of a dollar. And so, like I said, I put them kind of eh, up there, and I put the Connors probably, I'd say between middleish, lowerish, like right smack dab in the middle of like kind of touching that line of above, like, at the end of low class and at the very bottom of middle class, like, really, they're, they're surviving. And I don't know why the hell I got into this conversation. I think it's, no, because Carol thought it was okay. Her mother's like, oh, here, honey, it's fine. We got money. Just go get your $55 haircut. You're dead. I'll, I'll handle your father. No way in holy hell would any of the Connor kids be looking at Becky? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, the mall story episode. I promise I'll get back on the episode, guys. Becky wanted a dress that cost probably pretty close to 100 bucks, And it's like Dan needs a pair of work shoes. or a, No, a pair of really nice shoes for whatever reason. And you just see that the financial struggle like Roseanne wants to, you know, would like that for her daughter, but circumstances being what they are with their, their income and everything, so you can, gotta get your dad's shoes, there's something, you know, within a reasonable set amount for a dress that Becky could get. Becky, of course, no. If I can't get the dress I want, I don't want anything. So, anyway, all right. As far as where the hell I was going with that. Quinn, are you using your litter box? Actually, now that I think about it, there are some parallels between 
the Connor family and the Seavers. Um, I remember an episode where DJ gets caught, as and they use the term, pl- caught playing with his instrument in band as in he was touching himself. There's an episode where he brought a pornographic graphic novel to school. So that's kind of similar in the same line of Ben calling a sex hotline. And how many damn times since we've been here, every damn time that fucking commercial for, like, talk to singles, like, talk to a live person now, Jeremy will always be like, hey, look, they have a Dallas number. I'm like, I don't fucking care. He's not going to call that fucking number. But I'm like, every damn time that stupid commercial comes on. It's like, seriously, he has to bring that, oh, I got a Dallas number. Alright, let's get back to the damn episode. I'm sorry I went on a tangent. Okay, so he does admit he does pay them an allowance. As Jason says, Ben, can you explain to your sister how you can live a rich and full life on $4 a week? And the camera cuts to Ben, he's like, you're talking to me? That's not terrible. $4 a week? I think at one point... When my dad actually was giving me a kind of a sort of an allowance once I was like in my mid-teens. It was like five bucks a week. There was a very, and I'm not embarrassed to admit that at one point in my life, I did have a bad wedding problem. I eventually broke that problem, but one of the ways that my dad tried to help to get me to quit doing it was paying me, I can't remember how much every time I woke up with dry sheets. But $5 is not terrible. They're in 1986. I think you could get some decent things for under $5. But then I guess maybe this does kind of... What's the word I'm looking for? Maybe it does kind of uh, bring up my point about these kids. Maybe feeling a little too comfortable with money and feeling entitled. Like, oh, we have the money to spend. Why not spend it? Which I'm not trying to put the Seavers down, but... What did Michelle say Danny gave the kids for an allowance? A buck a week? Ben, why don't you go live with the Tanners and you can get a dollar a week? I like how they coordinated Ben's outfit here with the kind of, you know, it's not turquoise, but it's kind of a, kind of a, I don't know, what turquoise-ish, bluish greens, turtleneck, because turtlenecks, I guess, are all the, everyone's wearing turtlenecks in 1980. I wore a turtleneck for a school picture, I'm sure. Maybe even a couple school pictures. Anyway, how you doing there, Swiss Miss? You feeling good? <laughs> Quinn just walked past the door. Um, and he's got a flan or a plaid long sleeve button up that does have the green that matches his turtleneck. I just thought that's a pretty nice combination. Mike comes in also and like, hey guys, how's it going? And he starts walking probably towards the kitchen. Jason's got his hand filled with the bill statements. He's like, now don't you go far, Mike. I'm going to want to talk to you. And Mike's like, what did I do? Jason says, 
I haven't found it yet, but stick around. This happens once a month. And Mike's like, what's going on? And Ben's like, it's bill paying day. Really? He, Jason had a stack of bills. He had a pissed off look on his face. You can't put two and two together. I say, bill paying day, stay away from the house. Go to the library, go to a, a teenage hangout snack shack somewhere. But don't come home until dinner time. <laughs> Maybe once Jason's been fed, but then again, I don't know. As soon as Mike, it dawns on his face, bill paying day, all three of them, as soon as Jason's like, oh, I don't believe this one. All three kids bucket for the stairs, and Jason comes out. Hey, you three, stop and get over here. He is royally pissed. But long distance and any kind of, you know, those phone numbers they advertise on TV, expensive as hell. Expensive as hell. Sure, the first minute was free. But the rest are like five damn dollars a minute or more. He says $216 for a one-month phone bill, which seems outrageous as hell in 1987. It, no one's calling outside of the state. Nobody's calling anybody outside of the damn city. My guess is their phone bill is... I'm going to just go on a loop. I'm going to say it's between uh, maybe 25 just under the highest, maybe 50 bucks. Maybe. If they made some calls outside of the city. If you guys grew up in the 80s and 90s, you know about long distance was holy hell expensive. Calling somebody that lived in another town for me 30 minutes away was expensive. To the point where... This friend that I called, I'd have to wait till she was actually in town staying with a grandparent to like call her, or I'd write her a letter or something to that effect. Because my dad, my dad, much like Jason, was my dad was very, very tight with money. Very tight with money. Whenever we go to the grocery store, he's his eyes would be on that screen looking at the amount of money and I think once it started edging towards 50 bucks he would just grimace and just uh, look on his face oh my god and I mind you it was him and me from the time I was living full-on from nine years old until 19 so yeah, he really got the bare essentials at home. We'd have dinner at the farm, my grandparents' house, on Saturday night. We would be eating Chef Boyardee pizza in the living room on Sunday night. That was a tradition. And But he was just... Every, everything. No, I never got a computer. Well, the computer... I got a hand-me-down computer when I was 14 for my sister. And... Her husband. That was about it. Flashy clothes? Nope. Went to Fashion Bug with Grandma. Occasionally I would go with my aunt and she'd criticize like, We're gonna go to a real store and get you some real clothes that people, kids wear today. <laughs> like, ugh. 
The only times I would go and see a movie at the theater would be the dollar theater my grandma would take me. And by that time, the movie was already out on VHS. Any movie I wanted to pick up or get or own had to be either a birthday gift or a Christmas gift. I don't think I ever got a movie outside of birthday or Christmas. And mind you, my birthday was in August. Christmas in December. Usually the movies I would see on VHS, my aunt would get for her five kids. So yeah, $216 phone bill when they're probably paying, what, 30 bucks a month? Who wouldn't be shitting themselves with anger <laughs> over that? Mike is even like, oh, is that high? These kids really, honestly, no fucking concept of money whatsoever. It's just there to spend. There's 67 toll charges. I want to see if I can figure out the math to see how much each call might have been made or how much each call cost. So $216 divided by 67. So it's like each call was $3.22. Roughly, roughly estimated. 67 times Ben! My call! You're probably getting the same damn message unless he's calling once a day and you get a different lady. Okay, he says $2 a piece. Ben is shy. He's like, $2 a piece? Buddy! They tell you on the damn... And I, I swear it. I'm putting it in my hand. I have never in my life... Okay. I have never called a sex hotline. I have called a singles hotline. Well before Jeremy. <laughs> um, but they tell you, and he probably got, he says he found it on an ad on a tree in the park. That isn't fucking sketchy as hell. I think it is. But he's so surprised. They usually will have a recording on. <laughs> they should, anyway, telling you, like, first minute's free, like, how many you know, dollars. He probably stayed on for, like, after the recording and as soon as he heard the, uh-huh, uh-huh, you know, the moaning or whatever. Talk to live singles now. I'll tell you what I want to do to you. Some fucking shit like that. He probably, ah, ah, hang up, hang up. You can't tell me that he didn't know that shit wasn't gonna be on the fucking phone bill. Michelle Tanner, who's probably four years younger than Ben, called the Funny Buddy Hotline, and had no she knew the charges, but she did not know they would show up on the bill. So, Jason automatically, he doesn't know what the number is just yet. He just knows it's been called 67 times in the house. And he automatically assumes Mike, and Mike takes offense, like, why do you always assume it's me when something goes wrong here? Am I the only one that does something wrong in this house? And Ben, Jason, and Carol all look at Mike, like, oh, no. Like, Mike, you walked into that one. I mean, you pull as much shit as you do. You're gonna eventually be the first one to be looked at. Like, did you, or, or asked, did you do this? 
You don't want people to see you that way? Then change your habits. And Jason's like, tell you what, Mike, I'm going to call this number and I just bet you that a girl answers. We cut to bed. Oh, I'm sure of it. And Jason says, see, even a 10-year-old can see through you. And you just hear Ben's inner monologue like, uh oh. I was trying to make sure I wasn't around to hear you say any of those words you always say on Bill Payne Day that I'm not supposed to hear. <laughs> Hi, Ben. What's it's Bill Payne Day. Carol, $55 for a hairstyling from blood, sweat, and shears? Come on. <laughs> to your sister how you can have a rich and full life on four bucks a week talking to me <laughs> hey guys and don't you go far mike i'm gonna want to talk to you what i do i haven't found it yet <laughs> what's going on it's bill Payne day oh i don't believe that's right <laughs> $216 for a one-month phone bill! Is that high? <laughs> okay, Mike, 67 toll charges, all of the same number, at $2 a piece. $2 a piece? Shocking, isn't it, Ben? <laughs> now, why do you automatically assume it's me? Am I the only guy in this house who ever does anything wrong? Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> Tell you what, Mike, I'm going to call this number, and I'll just bet you that a girl answers. I'm sure of it. <laughs> Even a ten-year-old can see through you. Uh-oh. All right, so we come out of the intro. We're back in the living room where we were when we went into the intro. Ben is literally gnawing his fingers off, fingertips off. He is so freaked out and nervous, which, I mean... Guys, if you've been in a situation, doesn't even have to be calling a sex hotline when you're a 10-year-old. But just knowing that you did something your parents are going to be angry about and just... And knowing that when they do find out and confront you, like, they're going to drop the ball. They're going to drop the hammer on you. Ben is like, all I could hope for was a busy signal. Well, not on, on uh, this type of phone line, buddy. Not this type of phone number. So Jason starts to speak like, hello, my name is... And he realizes it's a recording. And he <laughs> he looks at Mike after he says, oh, it's a recording. And then he, he puts his ear back to the phone as it says, sexual fantasies. Fantasy. You don't hear that, but he's like, sexual fantasies? It's like, ugh, I'm gonna kill this kid. And Mike turns around, because clearly he has no idea what this phone number was. He's like, yeah? And Jason looks at him and like, yeah, Mike. Mike is right. He's got the biggest grin on his face and rubbing his hands like, ooh, really? And Carol is all like, hand to her chest like oh how gross well yeah you know that these these phone numbers are got like 
girls on the other line that they're getting paid to talk sexy to you and say, oh, I'm going to do this to you, or oh, I want you to do this to me, or saying something like, oh, that they're touching themselves, and blah, blah, and what are you wearing? You know, stuff like that. Just probably describing them in the most graphic sexual detail what they want to do to your body. And it's just like, oh! I mean, I know that, and I'm not judging people that do this line of work. I'm not. But any other option, if there were anything else, working at McDonald's, just, now it sounds like I'm judging. I'm not, guys. I'm not. But I can see, honestly, where Jason would automatically assume Mike. Because of the shit that he gets in. He's a teenage, he's a horny teenage boy. Carol, of course, not suspecting her because, why? She's goody two-shoes kid. She ain't calling this number. And Ben's ten years old, so it's like, oh no, not this wee little babe. Not him. He wouldn't be calling this number. And I love how Jason's got the phone in his hand and kind of, like, pointing at Mike, like, you get in my office, we're going to talk. And Mike's like, well, I think everyone should get in your office because I didn't do anything. That is the longest phone cord I have ever seen in my life. It goes all the way from the end table on the couch all the way over to the table that's close to the door to Jason's office. So Jason's like, well, why don't you get in my office and we'll all come in my office and deduce who the culprit is. Carol, of course, is pissed off to be pulled into this. She's like, this is so unfair. And Ben is all, you know, because he's narrating because this is all in the letter. She didn't know how unfair. Buddy! I know it's embarrassing to be found out that you're the one that made the damn call. But now your brother and sister are being pulled into this. And they're innocent. So what exactly is unfair to him? Maggie comes home for- It seems like the kids and Maggie get home within, like, ten minutes of each other. Oh, Jason, this is not the way to introduce this. Because she's like, hi, I'm home. And Jason has the phone out says, Listen to this. She has no idea whether it's a person on the other line. She just goes into it. It's like, oh, let me see. And you see her face go from smiling to utterly horrified. And for all we know, on the other end, there's just someone, like, masturbating and moaning. Because <laughs> she takes the phone, like, oh, it's someone on the other line. And immediately her voice, her her face just goes from a smile to, like I said, utterly horrified. She just was like, turns and looks at you like, Jason is like, what am I supposed to, what is this? And Jason, who's, he is, his feathers are really ruffled. He's like, one of our kids has been calling this number. And she's like, what? She's like, yeah. The idea, one of their kids would call this number just... We cut to Ben in the doorway of Jason's office. He's got the door almost closed. And he's kind of like shrinking back. Like, yeah, Mom, what's a teeny bit upset? It's like, you think? There's a reason why they don't want a 10-year-old or just any of their kids listening to that crap. 
because that's what it is. It's garbage. It's what people basically get off to or they beat off to or what, you know, to be disgusting about it. But that's exactly what it is. The only ones that are calling that number are because they're lonely and they want a quick, simple fix. Like, the fastest way to an orgasm is listening to someone describe what they're going to do to your body. And Jason's, and she finally hangs up. I'm like, yuck. And then Jason lets her know 67 times in one mic. And automatically, Mike's name pops out of Maggie's mouth. And Jason tells her, no, no, he denies it. He says he, he didn't make the calls. And she's worried about the fact, like, what if Mike had listened to this with Ben around? Because we know how much my, Ben looks up to his big brother. If you think about it, in this series, Mike was always seen as like, oh, the hornball, the teenager. No. Ben is a hundred thousand times worse once he gets to be like 13, 14, 15. He is like, I remember the episode season six. He took over Mike's apartment when over the garage when Mike and Carol moved to New York. And there's a, a thing you have, like, he's got, like, a volleyball net set up and these girls in bikinis and he's joking about, okay, who's going to be shirts and who's going to be skins? It's like, damn, boy! He does not mess around. But as much shit as Mike talks about wanting to, you know, be with girls and when he and Boner were ogling that girl outside that pizzeria window with the big giant knockers, you know, tossing pizzas in the air. And then when the time comes when he's in college and he's taking a nude photography class and he's all shying away from this one girl. Like, oh, because she's, you know, it's a Newport, he's got to take pictures and stuff. And he's, like, so bashful and just so uncomfortable. It's like, that's all that shit is. It's all talk. He's never fucked anybody. He's never went all the way. He's clearly a virgin until he ends up marrying Kate. And they have kids. Well, some of the kids might be theirs, but they adopted quite a few. Jason, of course, is using his psychiatry lingo on himself. He's like, I'm going to have to be very calm and very rational about this. And Maggie's like, that's good. And then he's like, I'm going to buy Mike a new car. And Maggie's like, oh, wait, what now? He's like, yeah, I'm going to buy him a new car. I'm going to park it in front of the house and just let it sit there and let it rust. Of course, while Maggie and Jason are kind of going on and on about, you know, this and how to handle this situation, we got Mike, Carol, and Ben all in Jason's offense kind of like, okay, which one of you guys called this number? Because I know it wasn't me. And Carol's like, well, it certainly wasn't me. It's like, heck no, it wasn't Carol. Yeah, he says, I'm going to get Mike a new car. I'm going to have him look at it. Then I'm going to take it away from him and park it on the front lawn, in front of the, on the front lawn and let it rust. I don't know how that helps anybody. That's just a waste of money. And we already know that Jason's been bitching for quite a while about the bills that he's paying and the money that he's throwing out. Anyway, where was I before I was so rudely interrupted? Oh, yeah. Dad, you were dialing that phone number. I was so scared. All I could hope for was a busy signal. <laughs> Hello, this is... It's a recording. Sexual fantasies? Yeah? 
Yeah, Mike. Oh, how gross. <laughs> you get in my office. We're going to talk. You know, I think everyone should get in your office because I didn't do anything. Well, why don't you get in my office, then we'll all come in my office and we'll deduce who the culprit is. This is so unfair. She didn't know how unfair. Hi, honey, I'm home. Listen to this. <laughs> Um, Jason? One of our kids has been calling this number. What? Mom was a teeny bit upset. <laughs> 67 times in one month. Mike. Oh, he denies it. Oh, if he listened to this with Ben around, oh, I'll... I'm going to have to be very calm and very rational about this. Good idea. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy Mike a new car. What? Yeah. Then I'm going to make him look at it. Then I'm going to take it away from him. I'm going to park it on the front lawn and let it rust. <laughs> All right, yeah, like I said, Ben closes the door. Mike immediately is accusing Carol and Ben. Like, all right, which one of you weasels did this? And Carol is just like, Mike, seriously, save your enraged act for mom and dad. And Mike is just like, I'm telling you, I didn't do it. It's like, you, she's not the one you got to convince. That You got to convince your parents that you didn't do it. And Carol's like, what? Are you going to blame little Ben here? And Ben is just like shutting his eyes really hard. Like, I'm not here. I'm not here. And then Mike rolls his eyes at that. Like, oh yeah, sure, right. Uh-huh. It was Ben, all right. And hot. Because the concept of Ben calling the number is just like, no, 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 no. And Carol's like, well, it certainly wasn't me. And Mike's like, well, it had to be somebody in this room. Ben, of course, is really trying to take the heat off himself by saying, well, hey, maybe a guy broke in and did it. And it's like, 67 times, Ben? Really? Uh, no. So Carol gets up off the couch there in Jason's office. It says, okay, Mike, let's say for a second that you're not you. And using the process of elimination, she looked at him and said, who do you, who would you say is the per, the pervert is? Like, Ben. And Ben kind of smiles. He's like, Carol or Mike? And Mike's like, no, no, I don't want to. <laughs> it's like, well, no, no, I don't want to pretend that. Like, because he knows the answer. He'll always be the suspect, regardless of whether he's innocent or not. Because this is just the type of thing that they would assume that he would do. Because he's a teenage boy and he gets into all types of trouble all the time. Yeah, and Mike and Carol are like, hey, I didn't do it. I didn't do it either. And then that's where Ben's like, hey, maybe a guy broke in and did it. Mike just rolls his eyes like 60, 67 times. And Ben just shrugs his shoulders like, oh, Benny. <laughs> so Jason and Maggie come in and Jason is firing on all cylinders. I guess that's what Maggie and he decided is that if Mike confesses to making the calls, he only has to wait an extra year to get his driver's license. But if he confesses later, he won't get it for as long as he lives in their house. Which I don't see that being a bad thing. 
It's almost like they got Mike in front of a firing squad and either way, in his eye, you know, he loses, even though he knows he didn't do it and he can't convince his parents otherwise. I can't believe Mike is crying to his mom, like, Mom! And she's like, no, you have 30 seconds to decide. Like, I'm not on your side. Again, we get the Ben's narration. Now Mike was in trouble too, and it's all my fault. So we see Mike over by Jason's... I'm guessing that's a fireplace. He's, like, got his elbow up on the mantle. He's he's really, like, ugh. And he's got to be eating himself. It's like, I didn't do this. And I can't t- convince my parents otherwise. So I could... So, yeah. He finally says, fine, I did it. And then that's when Ben stands up and he's like, no, I did it. And Maggie and Jason are like, buddy, it's great that, Ben, it's great that you want to protect your older brother, but this is not the way to do it. Yeah, Maggie's like, all right, Mike, what's your decision? And Mike's like, well, those are my only two choices. And Jason's like, Mike. He's like, okay, then I did it. And Ben's like, no, I did. And Mike's like, Benny! (laughs) Oh, my little brother's coming to, coming to my rescue. And Carol is sitting next to Ben on Jason's couch is just looking at Ben like, you? Like, she can't believe it. Like, you? And Ben, as he's going up to Jason and Maggie, he's like, I didn't know it was wrong. I'm like, are you serious, Ben? You didn't know what you're doing was wrong? He just says, I mean, but 67 times, guys. I don't even think I called the soap opera hotline or network or whatever that many times. I called probably, I don't know, once a, once a week? Twice a week? I don't know. It, it racked up a big phone bill. But, I mean, the, and the only thing I was listening... Basically, spoilers for the following week on All My Children. I could have just gotten a soap opera digest magazine from the grocery store. And, uh, yeah... And Jason even thinks that Mike is paying Ben to lie for him. And Ben's like, he didn't pay me anything. I did it. It was all me. Maggie's someone like, oh, honey, it's great that you want to protect Mike, but this isn't the way to do it. So Mike is looking at the time, because on a phone bill, it's going to say the times when these phone calls took place. He says, hey, one of those calls was made on October 20th. Now, I couldn't have been... Made that call then because I was, uh, me and Boner cut class to go to Coney Island. And it's like, oh, buddy, you just, uh, yeah. And of course, as soon as it's out of his mouth, Mike's like, oh, shit, shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but he also notes that the calls happen while Mike is still in school. So there's no way that he could have made those calls. And Maggie's, <laughs> Maggie's, you cut school. And Mike's like, oh, shit. It's like, are you surprised that Mike cuts school? That's exactly the kind of shit that he pulls. He cuts school. He doesn't do his homework. He's got shit grades. Oh, Jason is the one that notices the phone calls have all been made while Mike is still in school. As Ben's like, and that was the convincer. So Mike's like, well, I believe an apology is in order here. I'm like, dude, you still got Coney Island to talk about. So you are not out of the hot water yet. Jason dismisses Carol and Mike. Like, you guys can leave the room because we need to talk to Ben. All right, now which one of you little weasels did this? Come on, Mike. Save your outraged act for mom and dad. Look, I'm telling you, I didn't do it. Oh, what? 
So now you're gonna try and blame little Ben? <laughs> oh, sure, right, Ben. Well, it certainly wasn't me. Well, it had to be somebody in this room. Mike, just pretend you aren't you. Now, using the process of elimination, who would you say the pervert is? Ben? <laughs> Carol? <laughs> or Mike? Well, no, no, I don't want to pretend that. <laughs> All I know is I didn't do it. And I also know I didn't. Hey, maybe a guy broke in and did it. 67 times. <laughs> All right, Mike, here's the deal. You admit what you did, and you'll only have to wait an extra year for your driver's license. You confess later, and you won't get it for as long as you live here. Mom. You have 30 seconds to make up your mind, Mike. Now Mike was in trouble, too. Real trouble. And it was all my fault. I couldn't let this happen to him, even if he always does treat me like a sleaze bucket. <laughs> so, what do you have to say, Mike? Well, if those are my only two choices... Mike! Okay, then, I did it! No, I did! Benny! <laughs> you? I didn't know it was wrong! Can you believe this little sleaze bucket? <laughs> ben, I don't care how much Mike is paying you. Hey. Nothing! I did do it! Honey, it's sweet that you want to protect Mike, but this is not the way to do it. Hey, 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 look. It says here that one of those calls was made on October 20th. Now, I couldn't have done that, because that was the day me and Bonnet cut class to go to Coney Island. <laughs> you cut school. Uh-oh. That was the convincer. These calls were all made before Mike even gets back from school. Right. <laughs> I believe an apology is in order here. Carol and Mike, you can leave the room, please. Apology accepted, Dad. Thank you. We'll talk about Coney Island later. Later's good. So we get Ben's narration again as he says, I started to realize how serious it was when you looked at me like I was Emmanuel Lewis. And at the time when I was watching this, on the Disney Channel in 9798. I had no idea who Emmanuel Lewis is. Emmanuel Lewis, for those that don't know, he played on the show Webster. As we get a shot of Jason and Maggie so tall and bent over with concerned looks on their faces, like, my baby boy. Because he is, at this point, Chrissy's not here yet. She's not even a blip on their radar because it's only early season two. So, yeah, he's the baby of the family, and he's 10 years old, and they just, I mean, Mike's a hornball, they know, but little Ben? No, they can't see him doing this. And Maggie's like, oh, Benny, not you. And Jason asks, like, you're not into this kind of stuff. Why would you call that number? So, Ben, of course, trying to get the heat off him again, mentions how a kid at school was passing... The number around. You know Jason and Maggie jump on that like a dog on a bone. Like, what's the kid's name? I I want to call and talk to his parents. 
Jason, yeah, Jason's the one. Like, what's the boy's name? And Maggie, as soon as Ben says, oh, I got it from a kid at school. Someone was passing it around. She's like, I knew it. It's like, yeah. And Ben is like, well, I can't rat on somebody. And Jason's like, this isn't ratting on somebody. This is a kid who has a problem. Jason, of course, was his psychiatrist parenting techniques here. Sits across from Ben. And tells him, it's like, no, you wouldn't be ratting him out. You'd be doing him a favor. He needs to be straightened out. Jason even says, you know, you'd be doing him a favor. So, I mean, Ben's fast on his feet again to put the blame on just off of himself and put it onto someone else. It's like, yeah, but... And he's 10. Did he not think, oh, if I say someone else did it, they're not going to ask me who or want me to give them a name? I mean, maybe because he's 10, he's not thinking that far ahead. And Ben is just, he's like, can't we just forget about it? And they're like, no, we can't. It's like, dude, you you open this can of worms. It is out in the open. You have to just deal with it now. So they start thinking of names. Like, is it the Futterman boy? Is it Stinky Sullivan? And Jason lets Ben know. He's like, buddy, we are not going anywhere. We're not leaving this room until you give us a name. You need to tell us who it is. It's like, come on, Ben. Now, Ben. And blurts out the first name that comes to his mind as he says, Chris Kuzman. And Maggie's like, oh, that little dirtbag. It's like, Maggie. Jason's so surprised. Like, from next door? <laughs> like, the next door neighbor kid? And Jason lets Ben know that he did the right thing by giving them the kid's name. It's going to make... You know, Ben's still going to be punished. He's not getting out of this that easily. And if you think about it, his punishment is pretty light. All he has to do is write a few pages on why he did what he did and what he learned from it. That is cake. Did he not get grounded? Oh, actually, I'm sorry, guys. I'm jumping ahead. Jason forbids Ben from playing with Chris Kuzman. And Ben's like, but he's my best friend. And Jason's like, you don't need friends like that. Ben, you should have just given some random dang name, buddy. You should have just made up someone you don't even know. Joey Johnston. There you go. Apparently they got the Kuzman's number in their Rolodex. And Jason is on that phone. And we get Ben's inner monologue again as he says... Right about then? I needed about any friend I could find. I started to know how serious it was when you looked at me like I was Emmanuel Lewis. Aw, <laughs> oh, Benny, not you. You're not interested in this kind of stuff. Why would you call that number? Well, this kid at school was passing it around. I knew it. What's the boy's name? Dad, I can't rat on somebody. Well, you're not ratting on him, Ben. This is a kid with a problem. He's got to be straightened out. Now, you'd be doing him a favor. Can't we just forget about it? No. Is it the Futterman boy? No. Stinky Sullivan. Uh -uh. Ben, we're not going anywhere until you tell us who it is. Tell us, Ben. We're waiting, Ben. Who is it? Now, Ben. Chris Guzman. From next door? Why, that little dirt bag? Maggie. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean dirt bag. I meant... You did the right thing by telling us. That'll make your punishment easier. Well, Jason, it wasn't his fault. But for now, I don't want you playing with Chris. But he's my best friend. Nah, not anymore. What's the Kuzman's number, Maggie? You could just go you don't next need door. It's like right that. next door. Right then, I needed any kind of friend I could find. 
So in the next scene, we see Ben outside with the basketball, and he's like, I don't know what I did, but uh, I definitely, I'm in it now. As we see Chris Kuzman from next door come over. So Ben, again, the inner, inner monologue, he's saying how he made it worse. He didn't just write on a friend. He wrote it on a friend that had nothing to do with it. He has no idea. See, when you get into trouble and you're just saying a name to try to get the heat off you, then you're pulling other people and making them involved. It's like, that's a great way to make enemies. Oh, before we see Chris Kuzman, um, Ben evokes God, you know, prays to him in the driveway. He's asking him to turn time back one measly little month before he did any of this. That's not gonna happen, buddy. It sucks, but you gotta own up to what you did. Once you do, you face the music, get your punishment, you move forward, and you never call that number again. So Chris comes over with a soccer ball, asking Ben if he wants to play dodgeball. You're not playing dodgeball with a soccer ball, buddy. That is, that is too, no. You play dodgeball with a dodgeball. So... Ben's like, yeah, I I can't play dodgeball with you. And Chris invites him, like, hey, my dad's going on the boat this weekend. You want to come with? And Ben's like, yeah, I can't do that either. Sorry. What have I always said about the middle name? You know your ass is grass when your parents use not just your first and middle name, but your entire name. Chris is short for Christian. Christian Daniel Kuzman. As his father shouts over the fence. Yeah, we see his dad shouting over the fence like, you get your ass back here, kid. And Chris looks at Ben like, I didn't do anything. It's like, that's not who you want to tell. So, his dad's like having fun with the phone, huh? I'd be like, wait a minute. Check your phone records. Has the, that nine, it's probably a 900 number. Has that shown up on the bill? It hasn't, then he hasn't called it. Unless he's coming over to Ben's house and using their phone, which I doubt. So his dad's like, we're going to go inside and talk about this, and then you're not going to be able to sit down for a week or a month. Oh, he says you're not going to be able to sit down anymore. See, this is back in the 80s when parents could threaten to spank their kids and not have CPS called or... mm. Now I did it. I didn't mean to, but I did it. I made it worse. Not only did I rat on my best friend, I ratted on a friend who was innocent. I decided to go straight to God. God? If it won't mess up the world or anything, maybe you could turn time back a month? Just one little month? Chris, I can't. My dad said it's all right for you to come on the boat this next weekend. I can't do that either. How come? Christian Daniel Kuzman, you get your tail back home right now, young man. (laughs) Yes, sir. I didn't do anything. (laughs) Having fun with the phone, huh? What do you mean? Hey, we're going to have to go in the house, sit down, and you and I are going to have a little talk, young man, and then you ain't going to be able to sit down anymore. But, Dad! In the house, now! 
Dad, I could have said something right then to save Chris, but I didn't. All because I couldn't tell you and Mom that the kid who was passing out the number at school, the kid who was the bad influence on me, was me. So, Ben acts like he wants to confess and save Chris from getting his ass beat by his father. And he's just, you know, this is all inner monologue from Ben saying he wanted to confess to his parents. He wanted to let them know the one who was calling the number, the one who was passing out. The kid that was passing out the note at school was him. He was the pervert. And poor Ben, he's just, he doesn't know what to do. It's like... They already know that he called the number, but he deflected the attention on him by saying, no, it was someone else who gave me the number. It's almost like he's diverting the responsibility. To, like, it's because of someone else that I called this number. Because they're the ones that passed it out. So Ben plans on running away. <laughs> because sometimes when you're a kid, you're in trouble, you're scared, you don't want to face your parents... When you know you messed up, you know they're going to come down hard on you. You're probably going to get a, a whooping. You're probably going to get grounded. They're going to be disappointed. That's probably one thing that a kid is scared of the most, aside from getting a butt spank, is having their parents be disappointed and saying, I don't trust you anymore. Or, I'm so disappointed in you. I mean, I can imagine you guys, if, if you've had your parents say that to you or just the fear that they would and just that shame of your parents looking down on you and just especially when they say I don't trust you anymore that's gotta be like a kick to the stomach I mean that's gonna be a punch to the gut on emotional level and so many sitcoms that I've seen with families and kids getting in trouble you know, breaking curfew or lying about their whereabouts or, you know, this or that. Um, Roseanne, another example, when Becky and her friend go into Dan and Roseanne's liquor cabinet and get loaded. They get wasted. And Roseanne says, do, so I can't trust you anymore to be here in the house when we're not here. Do I need to have a babysitter watch you? Because Becky's like probably 13, 14 at this point. Even um, the Cosby episode where Vanessa goes and sees the wretched. And she actually leaves the state. She crosses the state line to see the wretched in... Wilmington, Delaware or, or, or something. I can't remember. But... She, oh, Claire is just really ripping into Vanessa and just saying, you can better believe it's going to be a long time before we ever trust you again. It's just like, oh. That's the thing, you know, as, as kids, it's like things seem like a fun idea at the time. It's like, oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be worth the punishment. It's going to be worth getting yelled at. And then comes the actual confrontation and you're like shaking in your boots. Like, maybe it wasn't I'm going to do that. <laughs> Ben's got a giant blue duffel bag that I swear if he wanted to could probably curl up inside it. So let's take a look at Ben's room here. He's got stuffed animals. He's got a wooden... It looks like a wooden... Semi-wooden 
front of a train. He's got a creepy-ass fucking chair with a, a face carved into it. A creepy... It's not a clown, but it's just like one of those... It's just really freaky looking. He's also got a football helmet on his dresser and then a baseball helmet on top of that. He's got some posters. You know, this isn't where he's got Jonathan Keith's poster on his wall. This isn't season four. But, uh, he's got some posts. Some band, it said something seven. The only thing I can think is I've, I've never listened to them, like S Club 7. I don't even know what they are. I know it's a band of sorts. A, a friend of mine, his brother was into it. I think that was well after this. I think that was like late 90s. I don't know. And saying Kabaddi was bad. In his room. And the chair with a face on it. I love how Ben's dragging his big giant duffel bag that looks like it's filled with stuff down the stairs. And he's just narrating like, I didn't know where I was going. Just someplace with no phones. He's even got a little, um, a little teddy bear that he's probably had since he was a baby. And to me, it still speaks that Ben is still a child of, of innocence. He hasn't hit puberty yet. He's not into girls in that way. So really, what intre- What would he be getting out of calling this number? Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing at all. Mike, maybe, but not Ben. Hello, Ben's like, probably Russia. Like, he'll go there. So, Ben is edging towards the doorway, and the phone rings, and he takes his bag. Oh, crap, I gotta go upstairs with this bag. So, turns out the principal calls up Jason and Maggie, and they've got some surprising news for them. And Jason's like, well, what kind of trouble can Ben be in? And we just see Ben at the top of the stairs like, oh, he he knows, like, eventually, once it gets to the principal, they're making a phone call. Once it becomes a disruption, we're, we're going to find out later exactly how involved he was with this phone number. Not just, he wasn't just calling this number. We'll get into it. And Maggie is like, oh, let her know that we called the Kuzmans. Like, he, that kid, he's the dirtbag. And Jason's like, oh, he's the dirtbag. I mean, uh, Chris Kuzman is the uh, the boy in question here. The bad influence. And we just, you know, we just hear Jason's side of it. He's like, all the parents are angry? Wow, that Kuzman kid's been busy. He's like, yeah, that Kuzman kid spread that number to everybody. Oh, yeah, and there's some confusion. And it turns out she's telling him that Ben did it. Like, no, there must be some mistake. Ben said he got the number from the Kuzman kid. And Maggie's like, oh, he tell her he's the dirtbag. And she's like, oh, he's the dirt. I mean, he's the bad influence. And Jason does not want to, you know, believe that it could be Ben. He's like, so it's Ben's word against some other child's. And Jason is surprised when he hears the number. 14 other child's and they all name Ben as the culprit. Well, wow. And Jason is just like, well, I don't know what to say. Well, don't don't worry. We'll take care of it. We'll handle it. And they get off the phone and Maggie's like, is she sure? And Jason says, "He's, she is very sure. It's like 14 other kids are calling this number and 14 kids' parents are calling up the principal saying, my kid said this kid gave him this number. I'm surprised the other parents are saying, hey, you're paying my phone bill. But then again, 
All Ben did was give them the number. He didn't force those kids to make the call. But then again, Ben is still the guilty party here. It irritates me the fact that they think that Ben is so damn innocent in all of this. Like, they just can't. They literally can't accept it. Jason's like, oh, well, no, it's the Kuzman kid. Oh, it's his word against Ben's. Oh, no, uh, we're sure he told us that, that the Kuzman kid. It's like... And even make it like, is she sure? It's like, 14 kids got this number, and they're all saying that Ben gave them the number. I'd say they are definitely telling the truth. I am very irritated with Maggie. The fact, now she's even, she's like trying to make excuses for Ben. I'm sure Benny had a really good reason for calling that number. I'd be like, are you fucking stupid? Really? He had... 67 good reasons for calling that sex hotline. Do you even hear yourself, Maggie? Oh! I knew I had to get out before you found out I was even worse than Mike. Bye, room. Bye, bed. Bye, chair with the face on it. I didn't know where I was going. Just someplace with no phones. Probably Russia. I'll get it. You got it? I got it. Good. Hello? Yes, it is. Ah, Mrs. Kovacevic, you're working late. Principal's job is never done, is it? Well, what kind of trouble could Ben be in? Yes, I saw the phone bill. Tell her we called the Kuzmans. All the parents are angry? Well, I guess the Kuzman boys spread the number to everyone. What do you mean? What do you mean, what do I mean? What does she mean? (laughs) Ben did it? What? No, there must be some mistake. Ben told us he got the number from the Kuzman boy. Tell her he's the dirtbag. Yes, he's the dirtbag. He's the bad influence. <laughs> well, it's, so it's Ben's word against some other child's. Fourteen other child's? <laughs> they all named Ben. Ben? Well, I don't know what to say. I, uh... Oh, we'll handle it. Yes, thank you. She's sure? Very. Then Ben is the... Dirt bag. (laughs) Jason, I'm sure Benny had a very good reason for placing those calls. Yes, and for blaming his best friend, for lying to us, and for spreading that number all over Wendell Wilkie Elementary School. Okay. Okay, can't you give a mother just a moment of protecting her young? Now, either everything we said about Chris Kuzman now applies to Ben, or we're hypocrites. I vote hypocrite. (laughs) Maggie. Good, it's settled. Come on. I'm sorry, Jason. It's just tough for me to accept that Ben is a (laughs) purveyor of pornography. Purveyor of pornography. Well, the news was out. Now it was time to face the music. Seems you've been very busy passing a dirty number around school. Not that busy. (laughs) Ben, how could you stand there, stare us straight in the eye and lie to us? But I didn't lie. I wanted it to be true. 
Ben, I am very disappointed in you. Mom had never said that to me before. Things were about as bad as they could get. Then they got worse. Bud Kuzman. Oh, am I glad to see Doc, you. Chris here has something to say. Well, uh, so do we. Come in. Come in. I had never seen Chris so mad at me before. And he was walking kind of funny. Well, Speak. Well, what happened was... Not what? you. Him. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Very sorry I gave Ben the dirty phone number. Uh, I have to interrupt here. Oh, no, no, Doc. You said it all on the phone when you said that Chris here was... Uh, Exerting negative peer pressure. I didn't know. And me neither until I looked it up. <laughs> Go ahead, mister. And I'll pay for your phone bill out of my allowance till it's all paid off. Okay, let's go. Uh, uh, wait a minute, bud. There's, there's been a mistake. What do you mean a mistake? All that could save me now was a natural disaster. Like a flood, or a hurricane, or a tycoon. <laughs> Please, bud, sit. Chris. Ah, maybe later. <laughs> but I should not have called you. Are you kidding? If it was your kid pulling that malarkey, I'd be knocking at your door looking to exert negative peer pressure on somebody's face. Aha. Uh -huh. You know, Doc, under the circumstances, I think you're being a real gentleman. But I'd like to appeal to your sense of irony here. <laughs> Well, you know, when you think about it, it's almost kind of funny. <laughs> funny. Well, see, as a psychiatrist, I understand that a, a kid can get confused when he gets in a jam. Well, as a plumber, I know that when my kid stops up on me, I got to flush the truth on him. Flush the truth on him? I couldn't take it anymore. I cracked. I did it, Mr. Kuzman. I did it. I passed out the number. You lied to me. <laughs> I told you it wasn't me, Pop. Yeah, but then after I tanned your hide, you said it was. We're just very sorry about the whole thing, really. Ah, that's no sweat. <laughs> Little buckaroo probably had a spanking coming for something I didn't even know about. <laughs> look, look, look. Tell you what I'm going to do. Next time you get a couple of wax coming, I'll forget about it. Huh? Come on. Now, you see, this is a perfect example of how, how I, for one, have uh, learned not to jump to conclusions about my children. I don't blame you. Let's go. Ben, don't you have something to say to Chris? Chris? What? I'm sorry. Hey! Hey, that's rude! All right, that's your freebie, pal. Enjoy it. Boy, I don't know what gets into him. You know, sometimes he, he acts like a little kid. <laughs> well, Ben, I want you to go to your room. I want you to think about why making those phone calls was wrong, why lying about them was even more wrong and what you're going to do about it. So I'll be there a long time? <laughs> Go. <laughs> Maggie used the term purveyor of pornography. 
So, yep, Ben's at the top of the stairs. He hears the whole phone conversation, and Maggie and Jason finally accepting that it was Ben. And we see this. It says New, Wor- New York World newspaper that does a little flip. And we see Ben Seaver messes up big, pleads in <laughs> ignorance. <laughs> and we see a picture of Ben with like his, it's almost like he's trying to obscure his face with his, his hands by his face trying to like, <sighs> like, don't look at me. So now Jason and Maggie are confronting Ben on the couch. Jason sits down at the end of the couch and Ben's kind of there in the middle. He's like, so Ben, I hear you've been pretty busy passing out a dirty number in school. And Ben innocently is like, well, not that busy. And Maggie demands to know from Ben, it's like, why would you look us in the eye and lie to us? And Ben's like, but I didn't want to lie. I wanted it to be true. Like, I'm sure you did. Yeah, Ben's like, but I didn't lie. I wanted it to be true. It's like, no, you did lie. And you also got your friend in trouble for something he didn't do. And of course, just as I was saying, the one thing that kids probably hate to hear from their parents, Maggie says, looks at Ben and says, I am very disappointed in you. And we hear Ben's, you know, voiceover, like, wow, mom had never said that to me before. Well, you've probably never been in trouble like this before. Of course, the doorbell rings. Jason goes to get it, and it's Bud Kuzman from next door with his son, Chris. And, of course, he's bringing his kid over to apologize to Jason and Maggie. Like, I'm sorry I spread the dirty, I gave the dirty number to Ben, and I'll pay for your phone bill out of my allowance until it's paid off. So, Bud comes in with Chris, He's and before, you know, he has Chris apologize and say he's going to pay for the phone bill out of his pocket, his own allowance, we hear Ben say, I'd never seen Chris so mad at me before. And Ben says, and he was walking kind of funny. Well, he just had his butt whooped. You'd be walking funny too. And it's like Bud has to coach Chris on what to say, you know, apologize. He's like, I'm very, I'm sorry. And then it's just like, and... I'm very sorry for giving Ben the dirty number. And the look that the kid gives him, it's like he knows he didn't do it. It's almost like he's like, ugh. And Jason clearly wants to clear this up. And Bud just keeps cutting Jason off. Like, no, 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 you said it all on the phone, you know, when you said my kid was exerting peer pressure. (laughs) Which apparently he doesn't know what exerting means. He doesn't even know what peer pressure means. He probably just chalks it up to Jason's psychiatry lingo. I gotta say, the kid who plays Chris Kuzman, he is adorable. He is such a cutie. So Bud turns to go with Chris and Maggie finally jumps in and says, Oh, Bud, there's been a mistake. And he turns around and looks at her like, Mistake? What are you talking about? Ben goes over to sit in a chair and he's like, Oh, the only thing that could save me now is a natural disaster. Like a flood or a hurricane or a typhoon. Uh, no. No, God didn't answer your prayer to push, you know, your time back a month before all this happened. He ain't gonna cause a natural disaster to get you out of this. So they have Bud sit, and Jason's like, Chris, you want to sit down? And Chris goes to sit down, hovering over the couch seat. And he's like, I better not. Because his butt's probably sore from being 
hit so much by his dad. Like, oh, oh, it's exerting negative peer pressure because Jason's like, I shouldn't have called you. And Bud tells him, no, if it had been your kid, I would have been over here knocking on your door so fast to exert negative peer pressure in your face. So Jason is kind of using his psychiatry lingo here. It's almost like he's trying to back Ben off. Like some kind, sometimes kids get scared when they get in a jam. And I love how Bud uses lingo. Like some, I know as a plumber, when my kid gets backed up, I gotta flush the truth out of him. <laughs> but Ben has finally had enough of the pressure, and he is the he finally admits to Mr. Kuzman because Jason and Maggie already know. Ben admits finally that he was the one that passed off the number at school. It wasn't Chris. And Bud turns to his kid and he's like, you lied to me. And poor Chris is like, I told you it wasn't, it wasn't true, Pop. It's like, yeah, but if, after I beat your butt, you said that it was. <laughs> he probably wanted the spanking to stop. He's probably like, at this point, like, I don't care that I didn't do it. I'll just say I did do it. Anything to make this end. Jason apologizes for the whole situation, you know, for Ben ratting on his friend when his friend didn't do it. But he's just sitting there on the couch and he... Jason and Maggie have a bowl of nuts on the coffee table and they have one on a table that's near Jason's office and by the front door there. Like two bowls of nuts. Which Bud helps himself to. And Bud just kind of checks with like, yeah, you know what? The kid probably had it coming for something I didn't even know about. <laughs> and then he also says that the next time Chris gets in trouble, he'll just let this whole thing slide. Ben, of course, tells Chris, like, Chris. And Chris just, he glares at Ben. It's like, because of Ben, he got his, a his ass beat. He's like, Chris, I'm sorry. Chris does not even answer him. He opens the door and he walks right back out. And then his dad's like, hey, that's rude. And then he yells after his son, all right, that's your freebie. Remember that. Enjoy it. So after Bud and Chris leave, Jason has Ben go up to his room and think about why he made those calls, why it was wrong, and what he plans to do about it. Ben's like, so I guess I'm going to be up there for a while. And Jason's like, you need to get your butt to your room. So Ben's been up there for a bit, thinking of a reason that his dad will probably be fine with. Actually, it's funny, he's actually resting his head and his arms are behind his head on that blue duffel bag that he had packed. And he ends up falling asleep and thinking, oh, this whole nightmare was just one big bad dream. It never even happened. Yeah, he has this dream where it's like, I never called anybody and I was the same adorable little son you always loved. This is so fucking weird. There is, it's an image of Jason and Maggie and Ben all dressed in white. Jason's got a white, like pure white suit, white hat. Maggie looks like she's wearing a white wedding dress with white flower wreath in her hair. And then Ben, of course, is wearing white button up and white pants. And I don't know what the hell he's got in his hand. A trophy? For being the world's best son. I see a bunch of flowers. Where in the hell? Where are they? They look like they're in their living room. And there's just a backdrop of a billion flowers. Is this picture just supposed to be of pure innocence? And I don't know. It's 
Ben's 10-year-old mind. I don't think we want to question it. We see Ben coming out of this night dream with a smile on his face. And Carol walked in. And Ben sits up and he's like, is it morning? And she's like, well, it is in Australia, but not here in New York. Sorry. So, Carol gives Ben an update. Like, I wanted to warn you, Dad's on his way up here to talk to you. And I gotta warn you, he's been pacing around, breathing through his nose. He's not happy, which he ain't dumb. He knows his dad's pretty pissed off. He's still gotta face some music and have another lecture from Jason. So she decided to give Ben some tips. And Ben's like, yeah, but you never helped Mike. And she's like, yeah, well, I don't like Mike. Oh, she says seeing him squirm is fun, but seeing you squirm is pathetic. Oh, she says seeing you suffer is like watching Merv Griffin sing. So she sits down on Ben's bed next to him and she gives him a tip that parents blame themselves for every little bad thing that kids do. Like, they think it's like, oh, if only I'd done this, or if only I'd done that. Oh, she's telling him to play the whole innocent act, like, I didn't know any better. He already did that when they confronted him in Jason's office. He's like, I didn't know what's wrong. And then she tells him that you got, say you got the, (laughs) got the idea from rock lyrics. They already know that he got the number and passed it around. He didn't get it from rock lyrics. Any rock lyrics lyrics out there that tell you to call a pornographic sex line? I can't think of any. Jason's been there the whole time in the doorway like, Hey, Carol, you finished? And Carol jumps off of the bed and is like, Dad, how long have you been here? And he's like, long enough, you finished? And we get Ben's voiceover like, Carol was right, you were breathing through your nose. I love how she, like, uh... Pat's Ben's head kind of like rubs his head as she walks away kind of comforting. <laughs> so before Jason can even get a word out, Ben is like, Dad, I, I didn't know any better and I, I'm through with rock and roll. And he's like, hey, you feel better? It's like, no, I don't. And Jason tells Ben, like, this is going to go a lot faster if you just answer my qu- questions honestly. Just be straight with me. Because he's he wants to know where where did you get that number? So Ben got it from a poster on a tree where the big kids hang out. So probably by, what, the basketball courts? And Jason wants to make sure, like, hey, is that the truth? And Ben's like, yeah, are we done? And he he jumps right off the bed like a Pop-Tart. It's like, no, you need to sit down because he's going to give you a full-on lecture. Because Ben needs to understand. I just, I, I don't understand. How do you go from... You think you call it once and you're done. Why are you calling it 66 other... You called it 67, but 66 other times. Are you hoping to get a different message? Does he get the same message? Is it a a different girl? Is it a live girl? Is it a recording of someone doing whatever to themselves and getting off? Who knows? I, I, like I said, I never called those numbers as a kid. I have no idea just how bad they probably are. And Jason asks, he's, he says, did you know what you were listening to is something that you shouldn't have been listening to? And Ben's like, well, kind of. And Jason's like, so kind of means yes? And Ben's like, well, no. It's like, okay, so you did know what you were doing was, was wrong. And Ben's like, well, not exactly. It's like, Ben, please. So, oh, 
Okay, so, oh, I think what, he's not referring to Ben calling the number. He's referring to the fact that Ben took the number from the tree and he just started, so more likely he got the number and he started writing it on slips of paper and just passing, call this number, call this number. You're really going to like it. And it just, Ben's reasoning, I mean, I understand it. He's living in Mike's shadow, even in season two. And it gets, it's even closer, it comes to a hell of a head later on in season seven when Luke is living with them and he and Ben and Luke go at it and it's like Ben has wanted to air these grievances for a while as in, I'm finally out of your shadow. All I heard was I'm Mike Seaver's little brother. And now finally, that you're gone. All I'm hearing is, hey, you're the kid who lives with Luke Brower. So, I, I, I get it. You know, he, he wanted attention put onto him that wasn't because he was Mike's little brother. He was his own person. He, he wanted to form his own identity even in that 10 years old. So Ben jumps up. He's like, are you kidding me? As soon as word hit, basically hit the street in the schoolyard that I had that number, kids were all over me for it. Even big kids, probably kids that were like in junior high and high school were all wanting to get the number from him. He says, for once I wasn't Mike's little brother. I was Ben, the good time guy. So he just lavished in that attention and probably as long as he was handing out that number to people, he was getting that attention. And I don't know what a dubious distinction is, but Jason does. And Ben's like, yeah, it was pretty great. So Jason sits on the bed and tells Ben, it's like, if you are curious about sex you need to, and you have questions, you come to your mom or you come to me. You don't just let your fingers do the walking, which I think that is a throwaway to what the yellow pages, let your fingers do the walking. I said, yeah, don't just call up some number that you see on a poster or some scantily clad lady in a brassiere or a teddy, whatever, whatever, lingerie. I don't, mm. The point is, yes, he's 10 years old. He's going to be curious. He's going to have questions. And I like what Jason does here. Because he's like, great, can we go? And can I can I go now? And Jason's like, no, we need to talk about this. As then he needs to understand that what he was listening to was wrong and it was very unhealthy. It's not healthy. That's not what sex is. Sex is supposed to be a beautiful thing between two people that really love each other. Now, doesn't mean those people had to be married. Just means it's something that two people share be between each other and it's, it's supposed, he even says, I think, that sex is a beautiful thing as long as it's done in the right context. Ben is like, I hate the phone. I never want to use the, I don't think I'm ever going to use the phone again. Oh, Jason's like, we need to talk about sex here. And of course, Ben's like, oh, haven't I heard enough about that? Ben's like, I don't want to hear about it anymore. And he tells, I like this. He tells Ben, you haven't heard anything that's right or healthy or real. And Jason says, you know, sex isn't something that you buy or sell on the street or, you know, on the phone. And he says that, you know, sex is a beautiful thing, but it's also a private thing that two people that really care about each other share, you know, in private. 
That's the thing. It's It should be what it is between two consenting adults. It's not meant for show. It's not meant to be on display. It's not meant to be, you know, filmed for the rest of the world to judge. It's supposed to be between you and someone else forming a connection. And that's the thing. There are two different types of sex. There's sex where, you know, you're not married and you're just, it's, you know, casual sex with someone you maybe met or been in a relationship with for a while or there's the married sex with a partner that you've committed your life to and you're both expressing your feelings and, and your love for each other and how you know it was in, you know intended to be and i like honestly that parents shouldn't have to be freaked i mean it is it's a very very tough subject and I didn't exactly have, my ways of finding out about sex and stuff were, you know, what I saw in movies and, and, you know, looking in Playboy magazines and stuff like that. That's kind of like what, what Ben is saying here, that, that stuff, it's not real. The way it displays sex is just, it's, it's wrong and unhealthy and it's just, I honestly, I don't think that 10 years old is too young to be ta- start talking about the facts of life. Kids are going to come to you with questions and you're going to have to have the answers. Otherwise, they're going to find their answers somewhere else. And you might not like where they find it. Like the internet. You know, Ben's lucky. In 1986, the internet might have been in development, but it was nowhere near what it is today. That's why, you know, parents... I'm sorry to be, you know, a teachable moment here, but that's why parents really need to watch their kids when they're on the internet because it is so easy to look something up. You type in sex into a search bar, you want to know how much stuff comes up that any kid's like, oh, this looks interesting, and then all of a sudden you got, like, porn on your computer. Are you going down a dang wormhole? It's good also to tell kids not just about, you know, the healthy ways of sex, but also the the bad ways, so they're informed and know the difference between what's considered good and what's considered not so good. As long as they have that information, they can go and make the decisions that they need to make because they have that information to do so. And this was a sweet moment. They hug, and Ben Ben gives his dad a kiss. And good on Jason. I mean, really. He really, honestly, if he hasn't already, he probably has because Mike's like 16 at, at this age. He really should be. He probably did have a talk with Mike, but now that Mike is older, he's most likely going out on dates. Jason should be having this talk also with Mike, not just about the um, importance of sex and the beauty and wonderness behind it but also knowing that yes I can't control what my son does once he's outside of the house all I can do is inform him on making sure he's making the decisions he can't keep Mike from having sex but he can at least give him the tools so that way if Mike decides to he has the information he's got the protection he's got you know carry a condom on in, in your wallet that way, if you get into a predicament and you feel you want to proceed forward with who you're with, you have you have the protection, and you're covered. Ben, is it Maureen? 
In Australia, but not here. <laughs> Listen, I wanted to warn you. Dad's coming up here to talk to you, and he's been walking around breathing through his nose. Oh, no. Since this is your first time with the big punishment scene, I thought I'd give you a few tips. You never hold Mike. Seeing him squirm is fun. Seeing you suffer is like watching Merv Griffin sing. Thanks. First thing you have to know is that parents blame themselves for every bad thing we do. Really? Yeah, so if you get cornered, say something like, I didn't know any better. <laughs> Second, say you got the idea from rock music lyrics. <laughs> You finished, Carol? Uh, Dad, how long have you been here? Long enough. Carol was right. You were breathing through your nose. <laughs> ben, I have... Dad, I didn't know any better, and I'm through with rock and roll. No <laughs> better? No. Nuts. Ben, this is going to go a lot faster if you'll just be straight with me, okay? Okay. Where did you get the number? From a poster on a tree in the park where the big kids hang out. That's the truth? Yes. Are we done? No, I'll let you know. <laughs> did you know that what you were listening to, you shouldn't be listening to? Kinda. That's yes? No. Then you didn't know? Not exactly. Ben, we were on a roll here. <laughs> well, I know it was dirty, but... It didn't make much sense. Well, then why did you pass it out? Are you kidding? Words but I had the number and kids were all over me. Even big kids. For once I wasn't Mike's little brother. I was Ben, the good time guy. That's a dubious distinction, Ben. Yeah, it was great. Look, if you're curious about sex, you've got to come to me or your mom and talk. Don't let your fingers do the walking. I hate the phone. I'm never going to use the phone again. Well, we have to talk about sex here. Haven't I heard enough about that? Well, you haven't heard anything that's right or healthy or real. Sex isn't something that you buy or sell on the street or at a newsstand or on the phone. Yeah? Yeah. Sex is a beautiful thing. It's a private thing that two people share when they care about each other. It's not between one person and a public utility. <laughs> All right, so we come out of the flashback as Maggie is finishing up Ben's apology, reading Ben's apology letter. Those kids are still asleep, apparently. <laughs> So, yeah, Maggie's finishing out up, and she's looking at Jason's finally. You actually told him this. And he's like, yeah, more or less. So Ben's kind of also talking about what he learned from all of this. And he says he knows that sex isn't something you use to make you famous. And Ben tells them in the letter, like, I know I shouldn't have made those calls, and I will pay for them somehow. Well, probably they'll stall your allowance for, like, a few months until it's paid off would be my guess or they'll probably have him do chores around the house to kind of pay for it so this is a good closing of ben's letter he says the one thing i still don't understand if i'm not supposed to hear junk like that how is it so easy for a kid like me to get the number well because they put 
a sign on a tree in the park just for, they probably think, you know, anybody, they don't care, you know, the people that put out these numbers and stuff, they don't care whether it's a kid calling, they don't care if it's an adult, they don't care if it's a married spouse, they don't care. All they care about is getting that money. The, whose ears are listening, they don't care. Doesn't mean anything to them. As long as they're getting paid, that's what matters. Because that money, I'm sure it's probably got to go to the people that are on the line and recording and stuff like that. I like the look after Ben says it in the letter. I like the look that Maggie and Jason kind of share. Because it's like, they're at a loss for words. It's like, how do we answer this? It's not like Ben is saying that to them right there in person. It's in the letter. But it's like, he's asking them a question. It's like, we don't know. And honestly, what is the best way a child says that? It's like, how do you answer that? Maybe maybe the answer I gave was good enough with the fact that the people that put that out really, do, it doesn't matter to them who's listening, whether it's a kid, whether it's an adult, like I said. They just, they're trying to earn money. They probably figure a park is a great place. People are passing by this tree, or these trees. They're going to see the number. They're going to probably... Write it down. My God. <laughs> 1986. Someone's got a pen in their pocket and a piece of paper. Or they're writing it on their arm. Or they got a... <laughs> you're not like, well, here, let me walk around my cell phone. Oh, here's a number. Let me jot that into my phone. Like, you're not doing that in 1986. <laughs> you're not. You're like, oh, I got a pen in my pocket. I can just write that on my arm or on my hand. And then I'm, I'm good until I get home. Right, and I thought that's where the episode ends. No, the kids are finally waking up. You actually told him that. Uh, more or less, yeah. That's when you told me to write all this stuff down. I learned a lot from this. I know that sex isn't something to use to make you famous. <laughs> and I know I should never have made those calls, and I'll pay for them somehow. The one thing I still don't get is, since I shouldn't hear junk like that, how come it's so easy for a little kid like me to get the number? All right, I'm sorry. Your little Benny has gone too far this time. What's this? <laughs> he hit all the phone cords. Says they only cause heartache. Good for Ben. Oh, I think it's kind of cute. Cute? Now he has got to be punished. You know, I think it's time you guys took a firmer hand. Why, well, speaking of punishment, there's still that little matter of you cutting school to go to Coney Island. Yeah, Mike. On the other hand, what good does punishment really do? <laughs> what kids need today is love. <laughs> so why not reach out? Reach out. And touch someone. Okay, what is that commercial? That's gotta be another phone th thing. You gotta admit it. Yep, he is good. <laughs> so yeah, Mike comes in with two phones and no cords to them, so the phones aren't connected. Because he says it only causes heartache. So he definitely is, he's learned a lesson from all of this. And Mike's like, he needs to be punished. I suggest taking a firmer hand. And of course... Jason brings up, you know, we still got to talk about Coney Island. And Mike's like, oh, you know what? I really think that, you know, this has got to be another phone reference. Reach out and touch someone. That's got to be another, like, phone reference. AT&T. Yep. Okay. I kind of figured.
It had to be a phone thing, just like the let your fingers do the walking, the yellow pages. I like those little references in there. Yeah, Mike's like, no, what kids need is love. So why don't we reach out, reach out and touch someone? Like, uh, and that's how the episode ends, everybody. I, I like this episode, you know, and the reason, you know, I chose it for the Ben episode. It's, it really, I think in 1986, you know, kids were, you know, on the phone and probably this was a thing that should have been tackled. And, you know, some kids are out there, they're calling these numbers. Why not address it in an episode and find the best way to approach the subject with your children of, you know, these numbers and not just these numbers, but sex in general and how important it is to educate kids on what the right type of sex is and what the wrong type of sex is. Calling up these phone sex lines, that's the bad kind of sex. The good kind of sex is the kind that you have when you're with a committed, loving partner and you're expressing love. So if I had to rate this one for Ben's screams, because we know that Ben (laughs) tends to scream quite a bit over the course of the show's run, I think eventually that finally is dropped. Um... I'm going to give it four out of five screams. I just, I, I liked the message. I liked, you know, Jason and, you know, having to talk with Ben. I liked, you know, Maggie finally coming to the realization that Ben is not the perfect little boy. She always, you know, thought he was, that he does make mistakes. And, you know, them clearing that up with their neighbor, you know, wanting to be honest. It's like, I'm sorry we blamed you and we called you. We shouldn't have because our son is the guilty party, not yours. So at least they were upfront about that and the fact that they finally could accept it. And I like Carol, you know, giving Ben advice. Maybe it wasn't the bestest advice in the world. And... Even even Mike, honestly, with the whole thing about Coney, no, at the end, that's why I took a point off, was because uh, the whole thing, oh, he needs to be punished, he took the phone cords away, and it's just like, really, yeah, you're still going to be punished about Coney Island, so, yeah. Alright, so, in December, the final episode of the Growing Pains podcast for 2020 I'm going to be talking about Weekend at Mike's, which is from Season 5, Episode 24, which aired on April 4th, 1990. In this episode, the Seavers discover they have termites and they move in temporarily with Mike. Now remember, at that point in Season 5, Mike was living above the apartment and he had a waterbed. Yeah. And there's an amazing scene with Jason and Maggie in the waterbed and then Ben wants to get in there and Carol's like, wait, that's not fair. I got to be on the floor while Ben's in the in a comfy waterbed. And no. And then she gets in and then Mike's like, hey, that's my bed. And he gets in there and <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah, it pops the waterbed. <laughs> I loved my waterbed. And well, actually, I found out from my sister that was her waterbed. I had totally blanked thinking that it was my dad had gotten it for me. And she's like, no, I, I saved up for that. And I bought that. She bought that actually before she moved out. And then that ended up being my bed. And I had that from the time I was, 
I think from the time I was 11 all the way until I was like 19 and my dad finally took the bed apart and said, it, you know, it was costing too much to upkeep. Like, you'd, we'd have to get the hose in through the window that was by the spigot outside and it's just he took it apart and I ended up having to be in a regular bed and let me tell you going from being in a water bed for like seven years to a regular bed again oh so I remember that first night I was wearing sweatpants I was wearing a sweatshirt I was wearing socks I was so cold and I I got as many blankets as I could find and I was freezing I think because I kept the temperature on the waterbed like kind of high like to the point where I was probably sweating I still remember one spring break when I was a, a junior was I a senior okay, I don't know junior I think um and my friend had come over and we had stayed the night somewhere and we came back home and found out the power was out. And didn't realize that until like, oh, my dad must be home from his trip. He's like, oh, by the way, the power's out. And I realized, oh, so that's why there's <laughs> That's why the water bed was so cold. <laughs> because there was no power in the house. And I didn't realize it. Oh, uh, or I'm just now, as an uh, umpteen years later, like, oh. How did I not know? I, or I must have. I must have known the power was out. How could I not have? Because that waterbed would have been like sleeping on an icy pond or something. I don't know. Ugh. But yeah, that's the episode. And December, I'm going to be covering Weekend at Mike's. And then I'll sprinkle, you know, some Growing Pains episodes out through 2021. Like I said, I'll be doing also a couple of Roseanne episodes here and there. But strictly, it's going to be Small Wonder. You know, two episodes in a, po- a podcast that'll be once a month. Still going to keep that route. And also, maybe once in a great while, I'll do a Mr. Belvedere episode. Maybe an Elf episode. We'll see. But also, just uh, twice a month, I'll be doing episodes of Boy Meets World. So... Alright. Oh, and also, of course, I will be covering episodes of Different Strokes. I'm going to be following that show from season one to season eight. I'm basically going to be doing two episodes a month. Each episode's going to have, you know, be a double. So you'll be getting four episodes a month of Different Strokes with the Wonder Years podcast. However, once I'm done with We'll kind of play it by ear whether I'll continue different strokes on the Looking Back on My Wonder Years podcast after season one is done. We'll we'll see. Maybe I'll just you know, keep it on the Punky Power podcast like I did with Silver Spoons. But all right, everybody, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.